Welcome to T3, Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. Your host is Jose Negron. We take the guesswork out of technological jargon so that you know what's next, why it's great or not so great, and how you can benefit from it by learning about it early. Now, here is Jose Negron. Good morning and welcome everyone. This is your host, Jose Negron, on Voice America, on the Variety Channel, hosting the lead technology show, Today, Tomorrow Technologies. It is our inaugural show. Our topic today will be driverless cars, or more specifically, the beginning of the autonomous vehicle. Fourteen years ago, I had the privilege to lead the DARPA Grand Challenge. Today, you can see the various automobile makers developing autonomous vehicles. Also today, I have the privilege of three guests, Dr. Tony Tether, former director of DARPA, Dr. Tom Stratt, deputy program manager for the DARPA Grand Challenge, and Mr. Sal Fish, former president and CEO of SCORE International, a premier organization for off-road races. But before I start this, I'd like to uh, discuss why I started the program. First, the creation of Today, Tomorrow's Technology Show, the leading program on Voice America, will enable our scientists, engineers, and innovators to establish a daily dialogue with the non-techies. In my past 30 years of experience, I find it difficult that the engineers can't talk to the user, and the user doesn't know that the engineer has invented a widget that it needs. Second, the engagement will expand our knowledge on technology and the impact of that technology on our lives. The goal is to simplify, avoid the tech mystery, encourage the study or the participation in these new disciplines. T3 will benefit us in the following ways. What we have in technology can be either positive or negative. When these technologies impact our daily lives, hopefully they're positive. How we use that technology will depend on us. How can society benefit from this technology? As your host, I've had the privilege of 40 years working with the government and commercial entities, both in technology and around technologies, and I had the privilege to serve as the program manager for the first DARPA Grand Challenge. As a program manager, I've had experience in leading technologies for major applications and research success. These have always been one-of-a-kind programs. As for the program, T3 will cover a variety of engineering, scientific, and future technologies. Topics include today's autonomous vehicles. Next week, we'll talk about disruptive products. The following week, cyber technologies, smart homes, so on, unmanned aerial vehicles, smartphones, now and what, space exploration, electrical technologies, energy alternative energy, tech government versus commercial technology, and high schools or school education and technologies, the future of robots, and then, of course, new inventions. For the audience to get involved today, today's tomorrow's technology show, call in 866-472-5788 or email me at tomorrow, today's tomorrow's technologies at gmail.com. So let's begin our show. I'd like to introduce Dr. Tether. He's my former boss, my mentor, a friend who has dominated the technology world for over 30 years in various capacities, both in the government and industry. 
Dr. Tethick approached me to become the program manager for the Grand Challenge, something I know I would like to ask him. How has the Grand Challenge evolved in the last 14 years? Dr. Tether. Well, uh, thanks, Jose. Uh, it's actually an honor to uh, be on your first show and uh, to be the first person. Although for a while I thought TTT stood for the Tony Tether uh, podcast show, but uh, <laughs> I guess I'll let you go with that. Uh, yes, sir. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see. Uh, the uh, fourteen years later. Well, let me uh, let me give a little bit of history because uh, you kind of need to know that in order to know where, why I think fourteen years how it changed. Is that back in the uh, back we had a DARPA had a mandate from the Congress to uh, uh, have do challenges, which was really a different thing. The challenge was be that you, you you came up with a criteria and, a, and it gave somebody a prize, and that was totally different in the government, U.S. government. And uh, and it actually uh, we hadn't been using it, so I was being uh, bugged by the staff uh, what I was going to do with this authorization. At the same time, uh, Senator Warner had put in a a, a law in the in the authorization bill for the DOD to uh, reduce the number of manned vehicles it had by a factor of two by some date, and I've forgotten the date. Uh, and, and the two of those things together in trying to figure out what to do with the challenge and with that mandate, uh, and plus we had programs that were trying to have vehicles be unmanned, but these programs uh, that started before I got there were all trying to minimize the number of human interventions, and I felt that that was the wrong criteria, that we, it, the, the number of human interventions should be zero, because otherwise you'd have to have somebody watching it all the time anyway. Um, I, I really also looked at the other challenges, and all the other challenges through history, the clock and, and flying across the Atlantic, really was an integration of current technologies. It was not so much inventing a, a new uh, technology as it was to uh, uh, basically uh, uh, take technologies that existed, and it was the integration technology uh, which was uh, which was going on. And I kind of felt that with a car that that was somewhat the same way. We had cars. Uh, the cars uh, over the years had gotten so that you could actually, uh, they, were, they were not being controlled uh, mechanically, they were really being tr- controlled through a computer to make it run, steer, and all that stuff. Uh, and, and also, uh, uh, the handicap market kind of had gotten cars so that they, you know, people, the interaction of a person with a car was, uh, was not necessarily uh, totally uh, hands-on. So I, I, and I, I thought that this would be a, a way to... Uh, 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 tried to achieve that goal of having uh, driverless vehicles. As you know, I announced it at uh, DARPA Tech in, uh, in, in, at Disneyland, because this, this was the first DARPA Tech, and Disneyland seemed to be a good place to have DARPA Techs. And at the end of that, I announced that we were going to have this grand challenge uh, in a year from now, where a car was going to go from Los Angeles to Las Vegas, uh, hands-off, and the car that got there the first uh, and the fastest uh, would get uh, a million-dollar prize. And I did pick you as the program manager, primarily because you always seem to be kind of a level-headed guy, unflappable, and for something that was about to occur that we didn't have the slightest idea really what we were doing, I thought you were the perfect person for that. Uh, Thank you. So, <laughs> so, 
Uh, what do you what do you years. think the new technology is based on the acceleration? I mean, I'm sitting here 14 years later with that history that you just told us about, and I'm going, wow, this thing was bigger than we ever imagined. What do you think? Oh yeah, no, it, it, it clearly uh, it clearly became uh, bigger than we really imagined. Uh, it, it actually, uh, and, and while I, as I said, I really thought we were integrating technology, that was kind of true for the first and second grand challenge where the vehicles really didn't interact with each other. We had them on a course, and the course was difficult, but it was more of a guidance and control type of uh, technology with a little bit of smarts. But it really was not, you know, I mean, it really was, in in retrospect, uh, compared to where we are going today, uh, pretty straightforward, not that it was easy. The last grand challenge is really where new technology did come in. Uh, The last grand challenge was where we not only had cars having to do routes, but now they were with other cars. Before, the interaction of, with other cars was not in the, in the race. But here they were, we were, they were going through a city uh, that, uh, you know, that, that, uh, uh, that was abandoned by the uh, Air Force. But we had a city and we, uh, we had other cars. And we sent them off on doing chores, go from point A to point B. And so you had, you had several, in this case, I think it was 11 cars out there uh, just basically going around the city doing chores. And not only that, we added cars uh, to it to just to have some more clutter. So now it became not only the technology of guidance and control and knowing where you were, but the cars had to really become smart because they had to, as you recall, to be able to pass a California driver's test. Now, some people may, may think that that's not such a big deal. But, you know, remember, this, this, uh, we knew exactly what it took to drive a California driver's test. And a car had to show some ability to, uh, uh, to look at situations and, and, and do something safe and yet, yet fast and accurate. So the third grand challenge really was the one that, that developed more technology into the autonomous, I would call it the autonomous intelligence type of uh, artificial intelligence type of technology because these cars really had to be smart. And they did show some very, very clever uh, uh, smartness of, uh, you know, seeing what other cars were doing. And, and they, when they came to a four-way stop, they had to know who got there first and had to wait in line. And, uh, and, and the thing that really got me the most was at the very beginning of the, of the third one, the last, they, when they got out there, they, went, they had a traffic jam. Because remember, this is the first time that autonomous vehicles were going to meet vehicles, other vehicles. And they were, in this, they were in this jam, and, and I think it was uh, uh, the Carnegie car that actually, all by itself, was in a jam. Now, remember, they knew where they had to go, and they, had, they knew how to map of the city, did a three-way turn, and went on a totally different route. Hmm. I thought, holy cow, wow. holy cow. You know, this did it all by itself. Uh, so that, that was the new technology, and, and, uh, and I... And I you know, I, I, I think that that was a little bit of a un, unanticipated, uh, although, of course, we'll, make, we'll pretend like we always knew it was going to happen, but <laughs> it was really unanticipated uh, uh, technology that, that ended up being what is going to make or break uh, autonomous vehicles. 
Well, I believe uh, at least uh, from the first uh, Grand Challenge when we went up to Slash X, uh, uh, that was going to be a historical making. I'm looking back at some of the contestants uh, like Team Dad with their real-time stereo algorithm, uh, the various uh, 3D modeling, gap filling with Zyptonics, uh, the multi-terabyte data collection planning that the Red Team had uh, for Sandstorm. All these uh, technologies continue to improve even to the second grand challenge uh, that occurred uh, on the 8th of October 05, read by uh, Ron Kajanowicz, and then, of course, the, the, uh, the 3 November 07, which is the Urban Challenge. And, and that was uh, very interesting as uh, people uh, created or innovated and also borrowed. Uh, well, how about the excitement among the teams? Because we were all kind of rookies at the time, but no one was afraid to let somebody else borrow a piece of material or a tool or a, a hardware or software improvements. What do you think about that atmosphere? Well, that was uh, that. Uh, you know, I think that was really great. I thought. I thought it, it was. It was very interesting to watch. As you know, all the vehicles had their own little garage and. Uh, and, and yeah, it was. Uh, if somebody had trouble, uh, they needed a tool. They didn't have a tool, or they needed a part. Everybody would come to help. Uh, and especially in the uh, the early grand challenges, the first and the second, that was uh, definitely true. And there wasn't a lot of that in the third one. Although I think in the third one, uh, it started to get a little bit more uh, competitive uh, in in the sense of uh, not necessarily sharing the secret sauce because now the se- there was really secret sauce and on how you were going to have the vehicle think. And and that was a little bit different. But you're right, Jose. You know, I I look back at your story uh, when we started uh, thinking about the vision of the Grand Challenge and how we would put this together and whether people would believe us or not. And uh, now that you mentioned the word secret sauce, you uh, remember a little quote or paraphrase is, it's always hard for anybody to believe they can do it until the first guy does it. And then everybody believes they can all do it. And uh, that's stuck with me. And that's pretty uh, well, yeah, and in fact, you're the one that you ran. I always remember the, the vehicle was supposed to go 125 miles, but it only went 7.3. That's the, the one, the furthest vehicle. Uh, but I, I always equated that to Kitty Hawk. You know, that we had just shown that a vehicle could take off by itself, figure its way on a very tough path, and go 7.3 miles. And I said, if you looked at, of course, when the press got on us over that, I said, yeah, but it's a good thing you guys weren't at Kitty Hawk because that airplane only flew about 20 seconds. Fact, <laughs> 120 feet. Off, it, it, exactly. In fact, if you didn't, if you didn't, it didn't even take off. It was catapulted. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, and, but it did do another flight and maybe went another 45 seconds. But, but, you know, these were not what you, these were kind of equivalent type of, you know, things. Now, what happened at Kitty Hawk is that they proved that you could put the weight required to have a man on it with all the other uh, part and still have an engine provide enough and, 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 a, and an airframe that provided enough dynamic lift to overcome that extra weight. And, and, and basically, that was what Kitty Hawk proved. And what we proved at the first Grand Challenge was that, you know, you could have a vehicle do this. And you could have several vehicles do it. And as you know, we had vehicles of all kinds. And there was quite a few that went really much further than, than, than a Kitty Hawk type of thing. So, so it was that re- really to me was, yeah, we, it was proven that you could do this. Now, it wasn't, it was, a long, you know, it was a long time later before the Wright brothers really had airplanes flying people around. 
But it still right. was that was the the oh, that was the, the one thing that said we we prove it could be done. Well, Dr. Tether, thank you very much. We've got about 30 seconds before we get to our next commercial. And I just want to thank you uh, for leading the way and for the technologies that we introduced on that first one that evolved on the second and third one. And we will move to our next guest on the return from our break. His name is Tom Stratt. And you're listening to your host, Jose Negron, on today's Tomorrow's Technologies on the Voice America show. Thank you very much. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Why? Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to today tomorrow's technologies to reach the program today please call in to 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 or send an email to today tomorrow's technologies at gmail.com now back to our show Welcome back, everybody. My name is Jose Negron, uh, leading today's show, Today's Tomorrow Technologies. And what our topic of today's discussions is uh, driverless cars or autonomous vehicles. Are they here to stay? How advanced are they? Is it safe to drive them? Let me introduce Mr. Tom, Dr. Tom Strack. CEO of Dime Technologies, and a very good friend, and of course, the Deputy Program Manager for the Grand Challenge. Welcome, Tom. I'd like to continue our discussion on the Grand Challenge and follow up with, uh, are you surprised that the Grand Challenge has taken off as a as it has with the various autonom- uh, automobile makers uh, just developing autonomous vehicles? 
Uh, well, uh, uh, thank you, Jose. I'm happy to be on your show. It's uh, quite an honor uh, uh, to be participating in, in this discussion. Uh, as for uh, what's happened uh, since the Grand Challenge, uh, you know, it was very interesting during the first Grand Challenge, uh, you know, that we participated in. Uh, there was a lot of interest on the part of the uh, automakers, uh, both in the United States and around the world, in that first Grand Challenge. Uh, many of them were present, if you roll back the clock to that time in 2004. A lot of the uh, automakers sent representatives there. Uh, but interestingly enough, uh, none of them dared participate in that first grand challenge. They weren't willing to risk the reputations of their companies uh, on what might happen in that first grand challenge. But they were all very interested in uh, how the technology uh, uh, fared in that grand challenge. And uh, as a result, uh, they were on the sidelines, but, but uh, very engaged. And at the second Grand Challenge, when we had uh, uh, several teams complete the entire course, uh, what you found is before that, uh, there was very little investment on the part of the automotive companies in self-driving car technologies. But once the Grand Challenge showed that it was possible uh, by having those cars complete the 150-mile course, uh, all of a sudden, there was a huge amount of investment in those automotive companies uh, into uh, self-driving car technologies. Uh, and it was only a few short later, uh, years later after that, five or ten years later, that they started rolling out their commercial products in the, in the form of uh, intelligent cruise control and uh, lane following and all the other autopilot f features that you now see available on the commercial market. Yeah, that, that's kind of surprised me, especially with the latest vehicles that you pur purchased today, uh, the ability to put self-park, the ability to back up with the sensing capability, their own GPS capability internally. Uh, that really has surprised me. And yes, you're right. Uh, many of the car companies, execs, or their at least chief scientists and engineers were at the challenge, and that's kind of spurred them on exactly how you, you said. What is the latest technology that has surprised you lately? Uh, from the challenge. Well, well there, there's a number of surprises that came out of those uh, those uh, early days and those first uh, couple of grand challenges. Uh, a lot of people were surprised in in the first grand challenge in 2004 that nobody won. Uh, and uh, it, you know, it wasn't very surprising to me. Uh, I, I was, was highly doubtful that, that any team would be able to complete that course. It was a very demanding course. Uh, a long course over mountainous terrain, uh, and a lot of things could go wrong, and a lot of things did go wrong. Uh, and as uh, Tony said a few minutes ago, uh, the, the fact that anybody got seven miles uh, was actually quite a, a great achievement. Uh, what was more surprising to me is that just a, a year later, uh, we had five separate teams complete the entire course, uh, and that was quite dramatic progress in a short period of time. Uh, one which uh, uh, paved the way and showed people that this technology was indeed feasible. Uh, and all of a sudden, uh, uh, everybody set, a, set out to, uh, uh, to duplicate it and then improve upon it. Uh, and uh, that was a, a surprise in itself. Uh, you know, a second I, surprise... I, I... Go ahead. A second go surprise. Ahead. Oh, go ahead. You want to go? No, what I was going to uh, say, uh, when I first took over the job, a lot of people didn't even believe in 2004 that uh, an autonomous vehicle or any robot could go over 10 or 20 yards. When you look back at the various challenges, at least the one we ran in 04, we had four of them go over five miles, two of them go over one mile, and, and two of them at least a half mile or more. So that was quite an interesting show there. 
Exactly. I would go around to people at that first grand challenge and ask them, well, uh, how long do you think it'll be before, uh, before anybody can win this race? Uh, and uh, it was a pretty common answer that it'll be uh, at least 20 years, maybe 50 years before anybody could do this. Uh, and here we are 14 years later, and it's commercially available. I mean, that's Whoa. pretty remarkable and pretty, a pretty fast pace of, of, of development. Um, I was yeah, going to say a, another uh, uh, surprise, uh, to me at least, is, uh, is uh, people's attitude towards safety uh, of these vehicles. Now, of course, uh, a two-ton two uh, vehicle going 60 miles per hour uh, poses a certain uh, uh, safety risk, uh, one that's uh, uh, of concern to, to everybody in the automotive industry that uh, is thinking about putting this on the road. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's a couple of interesting things here. One is the insurance industry has gotten behind uh, self-driving car technology as something uh, that can uh, dramatically reduce the cost of, uh, of uh, the insurance burden. Uh, and uh, and save lives at the same time, uh, but even more uh, more directly than that, you know, everybody who's thinking about using this technology has a personal decision to make. Uh, for example, uh, if you, uh, it's not too far in the future. In fact, it may already be here. Uh, that if you call a, uh, for a taxi, and a driverless vehicle uh, shows up at your door, uh, would you get in? I mean, everybody uh, sooner or later is going to have to make that decision. Correct. Uh, correct. And it's amazing to me uh, how many people say, yeah, I'd get in without hesitation. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that just uh, is just a huge change in the attitudes towards this technology uh, than where it was, say, 10 years ago when people were very afraid of it. Uh, Now people have uh, become very accepting of the technology, and that says a lot uh, about how far this technology has come. Right, and also the automobile makers are making it more and more safe. The public demands it, Absolutely. and therefore uh, they're moving in that direction, which makes it uh, a lot safer. Uh, I'm just yeah. going to give you a quick statistic real quick. For the applications in 04, we had 106 uh, teams uh, apply in 05, 195, and then finally in 07, 243. So you can see the growth. Uh, Tony didn't tell the story, but his initial expectation is 25 people who were – you know, computer geeks who would show up. And, and of course, we proved them wrong at that time. And we knew that we had something special. Right. Yeah. So I, I know you've got a specific vehicle. Does it have uh, autonomous driving capability or self-driving? Well, uh, uh, I, I, interestingly enough, I just ordered myself a Tesla Model 3 the other day, uh, and one of the things they offer on the Model 3 is, uh, is their autopilot software, uh, but it also comes now with a feature for a fully autonomous, uh, a fully self-driving mode. Uh, and uh, they, don't pro- they don't give a date uh, when they promise to have it available, uh, but when they do have it available, it'll be an automatic download to your vehicle to make it fully autonomous. So as, as, a, uh, as one of the uh, originators of this technology back uh, with you back in 2004, I just couldn't resist uh, signing up for that feature. Oh, absolutely. I had the privilege of driving in one the other day, and it was fantastic. And, and the power, just electrical car power, we'll talk about that in, in uh, various shows down the road. But, the uh, you know, the 0 to 60 uh, oomph factor was very interesting at that time. You know, I go back, and, and I'm looking at some statistics here. Uh, uh, Dr. Tether mentioned uh, 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 the uh, Kitty Hawk. 
and the 120 feet flight for Wilbur and Earl Orbital Wright, and I look back at our uh, 7.36 miles that uh, uh, Sandstorm went. Uh, but the terrain, I, I think we had one of the most difficult challenges out there. And I know that Sebastian, uh, on the following year, said he drove our route many times. And uh, what do you think that was like? Well, it, it was indeed a very difficult route. Uh, and if you look at where the, the self-driving car technology is today, I, I think the automotive uh, manufacturers have, have pretty much uh, nailed uh, the 90% solution with the, uh, with the deep learning approach that they're taking. Uh, they, they can follow the roads, uh, no problem. They can handle the, the lane following and uh, avoiding the cars in front of them and all that sort of thing. That's easy. Uh, but where the technology still uh, uh, needs to be developed uh, is you know, what I think to think of as specialized driving skills. Uh, this is where the action is today. Uh, so dealing with things like uh, the, the unpredictable drivers. Uh, they can handle the predictable drivers, but not everybody drives predictably. And so how does the, uh, the vehicle behave uh, when the other drivers on the road are not uh, behaving predictably? Uh, also, you know, what do you do when you're in snow and ice conditions? What do you do when you're on dirt roads and have to deal with, you know, with difficult traction and things like that? Uh, and then there's also uh, situations, the, the specialized situations that are not the, the everyday driving, but uh, things that you're going to want your car to do uh, at certain times. So things like uh, driving through the drive-through at McDonald's. Um, there needs to be a specialized behavior. Uh, to allow your car uh, to negotiate a drive-through, uh, going through a car wash. Um, uh, what, what should your car do uh, when it's driving by itself and gets a flat tire? Uh, it needs to be able to handle that. And no amount of, uh, of, of learning of driving down freeways is going to teach it what to do when it gets a flat tire unless you specifically uh, address that. So there's a whole bunch of these specialized situations that are going to come up uh, that uh, people need to develop technology for and integrate it into these vehicles uh, before you have a truly robust, you know, fully autonomous uh, vehicle. Right, right. And for our audience, uh, we keep using the word DARPA, and that is a special high-tech division agency out of the federal government called the Defense Advanced Research Project Agency. And we also use the word Grand Challenge. There was a lot of uh, interest in competition and uh, the ability to perform races among each other. We went ahead and coined the word Grand Challenge. In other words, difficult to do the first year, almost impossible and uh, it would take a lot of effort so if you hear those words DARPA or Grand Challenge those are the definition and uh, uh, Tom Strat and I had the privilege of working there and of course he went on to uh, more interesting things as a CEO and building the uh, other projects and, and technology that we'll be talking uh, about later on uh, Tom what has surprised you the most I know you got the manufacturing plants uh, working. But you know what's surprising me the most is uh, the folks that attended or participated in the 04 Grand Challenge and where they are now leading businesses, developing technology. To me, I, I, I see that as the most surprising part of it. 
Uh, sure. Uh, I've worked in autonomous vehicle technology my entire career, uh, mostly on the sensing and uh, uh, the interpretation of the sensor data to allow vehicles, whether they're ground vehicles or air vehicles, to interpret their uh, surroundings and react to them. Uh, I'm currently CEO of Design Technologies, uh, a company that creates intelligent autonomous aircraft, uh, aircraft of all sizes from you know, small 20-pound aircraft on up to the aircraft the size of the Predator drone and, and even larger. Um, but, but what surprises me uh, is, uh, as you say, uh, you know, the, the alumni, if you will, of the original DARPA Grand Challenge are now leading the autonomous vehicle efforts in, in all the major uh, automotive uh, companies. Uh, but one thing that's uh, particularly surprising or perhaps ironic is uh, how Tesla has really led the way uh, for self-driving car technologies. Because uh, you think about it, you know, Tesla makes a, a luxury automobile, a high-performance automobile. Uh, it's a really a great car. Uh, and and uh, if you bought a Tesla, if you owned one, um, wouldn't you want to drive it yourself? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on the long trips, I've had a couple of friends of mine leave Dallas and drive here to D.C. on a Tesla and, the, and that autonomous uh, flight following feature was very helpful to them. And so sometimes you need a break. So, yeah. uh, so, so, but they have certainly enjoyed it. Uh, can you name off a couple other technologies? I'm looking at Team Dad and that uh, stereo sound algorithm that they had, uh, which really revolutionized what the uh, what the players and the participants use the following years to come. Yeah, so so uh, you know one of the innovations in the you know first two grand challenges was uh, in the area of lidar, the, these uh, uh, laser sensors that determine the range to obstacles in front of them. And one of the things that we've seen in the in the more recent years has been really the the miniaturization of those uh, sensors and the uh, the reduction of those uh, dramatic cost reductions, uh, so that you can uh, afford to put those on uh, uh, on mass market vehicles. I mean. During the Grand Challenge, uh, uh, those things cost ten thousand dollars or more, uh, just cost prohibitive for a, a, a you know a commercial vehicle. Uh, but those costs have been driven down to where you can use them now on on vehicles. Uh, just one example of the technology. Absolutely, and then uh, of course the Grand Challenge occurred uh, thirteen March oh four. Uh, it was expected to run uh, one hundred and forty two miles. Uh, the winner would be the first one would come in in ten hours for a million dollar cash prize. We had uh, approximately uh, forty uh, road crossing, and we had uh, twenty biologists. Why do you think we had biologists out there, Tom? <laughs> well, that was simply an artifact of the fact that we were uh, our course went across the uh, Mojave Desert, uh, and uh, there are quite a few uh, desert tortoises uh, that inhabit that uh, terrain, and we certainly didn't want to harm any of those. They're a protected species, and so we took precautions to make sure that no desert tortoises were harmed during that event. Uh, if I may, I'd, I'd like to turn the co uh, conversation towards uh, looking towards the future. I mean, not Absolutely. just uh, how we got to where we are today, but what this technology might do, uh, what impacts it might have on society in the future. Uh, particularly, what, you know, one uh, topic is uh, a lot of people think that uh, driverless cars are going to reduce congestion on the roadways. Uh, but I'm wondering if that's really true. I mean, certainly uh, we have the ability perhaps to uh, allow uh, cars to, to drive closer together as 
uh, you know, the improved the technology can react faster than humans can, perhaps, so they can uh, follow each other more closely, and we can have more cars on the road, and and they can uh, navigate the roadways uh, more efficiently. But at the same time, if you think about it, today, you know, almost, uh, you know, probably 90% of the cars have only one person in them. Uh, in the future, when the majority of cars on the road are, are, uh, are, are fully autonomous, uh, probably half those cars are not going to have anybody in them. So we have the potential of having even more cars on the road in the future. Uh, is that going to make the, car, the roadways more crowded or less crowded? I'm not sure. Uh, something to think about. Well, I was interesting because Sebastian, a winner of the 05 uh, 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 event, uh, is now working on uh, uh, air vehicles. Uh, so we've come around where DARPA was trying to get to the ground vehicles. Sebastian, after winning the 05 event, has moved on to developing a, a self-driving air vehicle so that it can voice those obstacles. Uh, it's a, a very uh, a hot uh, topic uh, of investigation today, and at Design Technologies, we're working on that technology as well. I think it's going to be a, a technology of the future, and, and not so distant future. I agree. I, I think the air vehicles are coming. Uh, the ground vehicles will continue to accelerate off the uh, production line. Uh, I, I think I heard last night even Toyota was uh, getting in the market, and as well as the Chinese with their uh, autonomous vehicle. So right. technology is exploding all around us. I think it's here to stay. I do agree with you. I'm not sure if it will uh, deconflict the congestion on the roadways, but hopefully it will make uh, driving a little safer. And every now and then when you're a little sleepy or groggy, I've always stated, I like to get in the car and just let it drive me to the supermarket. I'll, I'll get out then. So oh, uh, that sure. would be per- perfect, perfect. Uh, I'm looking at some of the uh, uh, algorithms and I look at uh, the folks who came to the Grand Challenge, especially media. Uh, we had uh, 332 media uh, registered. Uh, we had approximately 46 million hits during that first week. Uh, I know that I purchased enough bandwidth so that the DARPA internet wouldn't crash. So that's all uh, was uh, was coming. I mean, that was the telltale sign. So we've got about uh, 45 seconds left. I, I want to continue and thank Tom for uh, being here on the show today, uh, challenging us to look at the future, what this technology uh, can bring, and what we will expect from the technology. The technology is here to stay. Would you agree with that, Tom? Uh, yes, indeed. It was a historic event by any measure, and, and I think Tony Tether deserves a lot of credit by choosing uh, the, the subject of autonomous cars to be the subject for the first uh, Grand Challenge. You know, Many of us submitted uh, ideas for what the subject should be for that first Grand Challenge, and of the hundreds of ideas uh, he received, uh, he chose autonomous vehicles to be that subject, and uh, it certainly turned out to be an important uh, subject matter for that event. Perfect, Tom, and uh, we'll see you around the corner with our next guest, uh, Mr. Sal Fish. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Think of the world. 
50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific time here on voiceamerica.com have you friended us on facebook yet why not just go to facebook.com forward slash voice america or search for the keywords voice america once you are part of our facebook network you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows this week's featured guests and new happenings at the voice america talk radio network and you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline just go to facebook.com forward slash voice america or search for voice america are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Why? Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best, freshest, gluten-free ingredients. The best part is the menu is always new and fresh, just like the food, and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes. 
My family loves the choices and the taste and freshly delivers to my home and my office so I eat healthy all day every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout, try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save 20 bucks today with coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. You are listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to today, tomorrow's Technologies at gmail.com. Now, back to our show. Folks, welcome back. You're listening to the Leading Technology Show on Voice America. Today, tomorrow's technology with your host, Jose Negron. Our next guest is Mr. Sal Fish, former CEO of SCORE International and premier organization for off-road races. Sal, can you hear me? Yes, I can, and it's a pleasure having the opportunity to be with you, Jose, and Dr. Tether and Tom. Uh, I really enjoyed the show so far. I, I learned what I was doing back there 14 years ago for the first time. Uh, but anyway, you know, Jose, I think it's been very interesting for your listeners to hear uh, the professional and the technolo- technical background of what Dr. Tether and yourself and Tom and all the super people at DARPA put together. But I, I wonder if your listeners uh, really understood that when uh, you were talking about vehicles uh, driving autonomously, they were driving not in streets, but through some of the roughest off-terrain uh, in the Mojave Desert. I mean, it wasn't just uh, a vehicle that could maneuver on blacktop. They were going through ruts, rocks, uh, avoiding uh, tortoises, at, as Tom had mentioned. I mean, your first challenge was truly a challenge. I mean, and, and that's why you came to SCORE, because we were the knowledgeable people in off-roading. Oh, absolutely. And I think uh, I can remember our first uh, uh, adventure together as I got into your vehicle and says, let's go do a little off-roading and you'll see what it's like. And we hit the uh, the washboards there around Prim. I think after that, I decided to wear a football helmet and, and strap in tightly uh, uh, because uh, it was jaw it was jaw knocking. Let's put it that way. Uh, you've always led the way in the off-roads. And I can tell you, uh, honestly, that some of the uh, technology used in off-road racing has uh, migrated over. So what is the most memorable, and you're absolutely right, from a non-technology perspective, what is the most memorable thing that ever happened? Uh, how about the, uh, uh, the high school kids who launched that first vehicle the first time and went through the obstacle course? Well, no question about it, uh, but I will, I will say... Uh, Jose, the most, uh, to me, uh, you know, being a non-techie and never really dealing with the government, except for paying my taxes um, at the level that you guys brought me into, was that first first phone call in my office in California from a representative of Dr. Tether, you know, uh, 
talking about that they wanted to put on an event uh, with autonomous vehicles, and I thought it was a friend of mine just to put it bluntly, pulling my chain. And I said, I don't even know what autonomous means. What are you talking about? And from that day forward, when I realized it was not a joke, it was very successful, and Dr. Tether invited me back to Washington to sit down at a meeting. I realized that at that time we were going to be part of history. Uh, it was just incredible. And I, I, I'm so pleased and honored to still have the opportunity uh, to be here on planet, on the planet, and see what Dr. Tether and all the fine people at Dark had in mind actually coming to a fruition. I mean, it, it's going to happen, and it's not going to take 20 years. I mean, things are happening right now. I think it's not only for the public, but what's happening in agriculture and other things that the ideas that Dr. Tether had actually came uh, together. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's remarkable. It really is. You know, uh, what a lot of people do not know, Sal, uh, besides Dr. Tether, Tom Strat, and yourself, you went through all three of them. You, you helped design the course. You helped uh, uh, create the obstructions. And there weren't many obstructions that we had to create out there in the Mojave uh, other than make the obstructions <laughs> safer to go through. Uh, and I can remember uh, 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 Dr. Tether would say, while we're going over that uh, particular obstruction, we need to go underneath it or around it or is there an easier way and sometimes it was uh, difficult uh, to plot those things. Uh, the real critical question that a lot of people don't know is we had 15 plus 15 different routes and you helped develop every one of those in the first Grand Challenge. What, what do you, What's your takeaway from those? Well, you know, it was again, for a, a lay person it was really hard at the beginning for me to really wrap around what the heck you guys are trying to do, you know, and why you couldn't do it the way I wanted to do it. That was, hey, you want to get from A to B? I'll show you how to do it in the desert, you know. But then I, it, you guys finally pounded into my head, yeah, we want to do it, but we can't let anyone know where we're doing it, and we have to have all these other routes so that they'll never be able to figure out, figure it out and pre-plan it. So that was it was crazy for me to say, wait a minute, I we're going through all these things. We have to jump jump through all these hurdles with the environmentalists and the government and everything running in these uh, areas. When why don't we just do it on one? You know, and I finally got it. And it, it just again, as I said, for an outsider uh, from what you guys are all about. I mean, our country is absolutely why it is today because of people like Dr. Dr. Tether, you, Jose, and Tom, and again, the people uh, that sit in that black building in Washington that make all this happen. It's just, it's, it's the highlight of my life and my career of being a part of this project, really. You know, thank you very much, Sal. I, I remember one of the questions I'd like to do. I know Tony and I always got in a little jaunt about uh, I wanted to make it an atmosphere uh, and we don't, we're not creating a circus. And I said, well, Tony, uh, it was going to be hard for the, the challenge participants to go on to the next year. We don't make it fun and interesting and, and exciting for them to come back. And I remember going to your first uh, Baja 1000, Baja uh, 500 and your 250. And that's what the, uh, you know, that's what you taught me is get the crowd behind you, get the participants behind you, get those vehicles uh, moving and make it exciting. What do you say about that technique? Well, it's true. You know, you guys are, are we're very straight um, 
waste, so to speak. And let's face it, I was, I'm putting, I was putting on a show in entertainment and, and doing something that uh, DARPA was not used to because you guys are not out front uh, for the public. You know, you're creating something and then it was going to, I assume, was going to be introduced because either warfare or what have you. And, you know, my whole thing in putting on uh, automobile races, off-road races, was, you know, generate interest, bringing sponsors in and things of that nature. That was kind of foreign to you guys. But I'll tell you what, it didn't take you long to say, hey, you know, let's get some hoopla on this thing. And we certainly had, I will have to say, uh, one heck of a lot of fun being together out in the desert and out at uh, Fontana Raceway and the things that, that happened in between those three and a half, four years uh, were spectacular. And, and, you know, something that uh, I'll, I'll never forget when, when the first uh, conversation I had with Dr. Tether, you know, uh, he was really just talking way over my head as far as uh, terminology and things that he was using. And I finally got it when he was saying, you know, and I, he mentioned it earlier in, in the conversation on our, our today about, uh, or it was you, one of the two, that, you know, you have these people that are not communicating to each other. And I was envisioning our off-road people that, you know, were not necessarily big companies. They were building widgets to make their vehicle uh, perform in the Baja Desert uh, that Detroit couldn't do because, you know, they have to jump through so many hoops. And you guys had technology people, little kids, not little kids, kids in their garages and their parents didn't even have any clue what they were doing, developing technical stuff. And I said, let's get the grease balls, my guys, and your geeks together, and we'll accelerate this thing. And I think that was Dr. Tether's, Tether's real, real idea. Instead of going to the typical people that a government would deal with to give contracts, he stepped out of that box. And I think that truly accelerated the program. And it was, a, again, I, I can't say enough of, of the... Uh, Dr. Tether's uh, foresight. In, Absolutely. In doing this. Absolutely. You hit the head on the uh, nail on the head. We've got about uh, a little less than three minutes left. Uh, Dr. Tether, uh, have you got any final words or and then followed by Tom Stratt? All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I appreciate uh, my guest, uh, Dr. Tony Tether, uh, 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 Dr. Tom Stratt, and of course, uh, Sal Fish. As Sal said, we we're bringing the Grease Monkey with the Geeks together. The purpose of our show today was the discussion of uh, today's, tomorrow's technologies uh, and how they apply in our everyday lifestyle. Uh, it is important for us to continue to look at technology. Technology will always be in front of us. Uh, there are brave souls who will uh, be the vanguard of using that technology and others will lay back. Uh, you see today the uh, autonomous vehicle in the driverless car, uh, the manufacturing from the various companies. I think that will continue to lead, but it's not just that. It's the technology that's inside the, uh, the vehicle itself, from the lighting, the sensors, uh, the various activities uh, that are being engineered, uh, the homogeneous uh, activities uh, uh, I look at today's car, uh, at the lighting uh, perspective, the radio sound, the GPS integrated, uh, the uh, uh, keeping you within the, the lanes. All that has been important. And finally, uh, I'd just like to say, uh, next week we'll be talking about disruptive technology and disruptive products. I would like to uh, thank everybody uh 
to who participated. Uh, thank my audience. Uh, we definitely want to thank uh, D. Daniels, uh, my executive producer, and of course Alexandria Lorendo Monk, uh, my executive assistant. You can contact them anytime. Please use my Twitter, Facebook, or email. Email is at today's technologies, uh, t- today's tomorrow's technologies at gmail.com, and you can reach out to your host, Jose Negron. I hope you enjoyed the program today. It's been a fantastic opportunity, and we're looking forward to next week as we talk about disruptive technologies. Thank you for listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. We hope you'll join your host, Jose Negron, for another exciting program next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Enjoy the rest of your week.